Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Little Light Devotions, and welcome back to 2023. Man, what a year it has been. I, let me tell you, let me tell you, 2022 was crazy. Graduated college, got married, all right, started a job. I teach kids now. What? Gross? Ew? Yucky? But I wouldn't have it any other way. God has been so good. God has been so good. He's been opening up doors, taking doors off hinges. And it's been incredible to see what God has been doing. And I've been studying a lot in the Bible, been studying a lot of the word as all of us should be doing. And I've been walking through James a little bit and I I, I came across a passage that confused me for a moment. When I was doing some study on it, when I was looking back at notes from college about it, I, I realized it was not the passage that had the problem, but I that had the problem. So let's take a look. Whenever I'm talking to someone who typically comes from a more oh, a higher church tradition, Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, a lot of times they will say that, well, it's not just your faith that produces salvation. You have to add things to it as well. Your works, your baptisms, your things like that. Well, I had a problem with this growing up in a Baptist household, hearing things like salvation by grace through faith alone, and it is a gift of God, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast, and all these other things, some from the Bible, some not. But when they show me a passage in James 2, which was the only passage they could ever point to me about anything adding to salvation from your works, I looked at it and I wondered, there was something different here. It parallels too much with Romans for me to just accept this as either a contradiction or me completely being in, theologically inept. So let's walk through it together. James 2, 14 to 26 is a passage that very, very often folks from those type of traditions will tell you uh, that mean that you have to add works in order to be saved. So let's walk through it together. Verse 14, James 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? What we need to recognize first and foremost is that James is not saying what is the true nature of faith, but he is more attacking false claims on the faith. What he's showing in this moment is that this faith is really no good. It's a lot of talk and not a lot of walk. It's just an empty boasting. Merely claiming to have faith is not enough. Genuine faith is evidenced by works. And we see this a lot with our culture, is that a lot of our culture will claim to be Christians. You know, the census comes around and they'll write down they're a Christian on it. Oh man, the U.S. has the biggest Christian population. But the only thing they've ever done in their entire life that is Christian is simply say that they are Christian. Well, does that faith save a person? Well, that's a problem. Just like how if you say that you're a Christian, but there's nothing to back it up, it's the same thing as verses 15 and 16 say, if a person is naked without clothes and, and hungry, if you just say, ah, be warm and filled, but don't do anything about it, well, it's just useless. It's just useless. All of this is, is meant to be pointing to there's nothing done. It's not saying that, you know, a, a person's faith is illegitimate. It's just saying it's not even there. A true faith will bring about works. A false faith, which is what James is attacking here, a false faith will try to masquerade itself as a genuine Christian faith, but it has nothing to support it. 
Just like how if you say that you are all humanitarian but don't do anything to help humanity, well, you're as humanitarian as perhaps Hitler was. The boast of this faith, you know, I just have my faith by itself. I don't need to do, I don't need to do anything. God knows my heart. All of this stuff, there's no conviction. There's no, there's no true showing of that. There's no evidence of action. It's dead. It's dead. Workless faith becomes worthless faith. It's unproductive, barren. If you have a tree in your backyard and you say, man, look at this lemon tree. Look at how much it's, look at how beautiful and wonderful it is, but it's a dead tree. The leaves have fallen off. There's no fruit. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Now, some folks are sitting here saying, oh, this means that I need to have works in order to produce my salvation. No, 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 no. Your, your salvation, your faith, will just be evidenced by the things that come out of it. Your salvation, your faith, will be evidenced by the things that come out of it. And he tries to portray this with a, a story of Abraham. So Abraham, one of the first people called by God, and he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected or matured. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. In verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. All, basically, all of Protestantism is this, this, this idea hinging right there, sola fide. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, we're running into an issue. But here's the thing. There is no issue. There is no issue. Let's look at the story that he tells real quick to tie in with this point that he's making in verse 24. The story he tells of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was probably around, you know, a mid-teenager at this time, maybe younger, maybe let's just say 12, all right? He's a young boy. He's helping his father carry up stuff to a mountain. He's clearly not helpless. He's able to work. He's able to do things. So he has been around for a little while. And even before that, Abraham and Sarah could not have child for could not have a child for decades, upon decades. But they were still serving God, and they had faith in God, and were doing deeds for God. Are you going to tell me? That in the decades that Abraham served God, in the decades that Abraham had faith, in the decades Abraham worked with God, when God says he cannot work and have this relationship with sin, in all those decades that that happened, it was only at this point, decades after God called Abraham out of Ur, that this was where he was saved. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. I'm sorry, I don't buy into that. Abraham was justified by his faith. When he believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But this justification, the justification that we see in verse 24, where it says, a man is justified by his works and not by faith alone. Well, how is your faith evidenced? How is your faith shown? How is your faith realized? How can you see that a tree is a lemon tree? Perhaps that tree is a lemon tree, but without the fruit that we can see, we don't know that it's lemon tree. I don't mean to rhyme here, but it's just being honest. And I think it's funny how James and Paul quote this same passage to prove their points. You know, Paul said that Abraham was justified by his faith, and James says that Abraham was justified by faith, evidenced by what he had done. James did not say that faith does not save you. He's saying when you're just emptily saying words, calling upon God and saying, oh yes, I'm saved, I've simply said the magic phrases, then I'm good. Well, no. 
Because look up a little bit further in verse 19. The demons believe in shudder. The demons believe in shudder. Guess who else also believes in Jesus? Muslims. Guess who else also believes in Jesus? Atheistic historians. These people recognize that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. Perhaps they even venerate him, like in Islam, where they claim him to be a prophet from God. But they've not appropriated that faith to themselves, the, the gospel. They've not appropriated it to themselves, and so they might be able to say some things, like how the demons say some things, how they have this intellectual acknowledgement of Jesus. But without appropriating it to their souls, there is no salvation. The faith leads to salvation, and the salvation leads to works. If you just have faith that leads to salvation, but no works, there's no evidence that there is salvation. If you just have works, but no faith, and you're just working and working and working, trying to appease God, trying to get right with God by your own terms, you just have filthy rags, you will not be saved. But if you have your salvation plus your works, that equals a true faith. It equals a true faith. I don't want you to get confused about the wording of this passage. And I think the conclusion brings it about uh, a very, very wonderful way, very, very clear. Faith and deeds are essential to each other. Salvation and works go hand in hand. If you try to claim to have one but not the other, it is incomplete, just as how a body that tries to have no spirit is dead, a faith that has no works, and works that have no faith are completely dead. James out here isn't trying to lecture on true salvation. He's trying to lecture on true faith. If you just say some words, you're not saved. But if you just do some works, you're also not saved. It is your faith, your faith is the thing that we are reaching for. The faith is the thing we are trying to prove. Well, if we just have works, we just have good humanitarian deeds, well, then anybody can do that. That's not godly. That's not the fear of God. But it is salvation entangled with those works that show a true, genuine faith. Perhaps you disagree with my interpretation, and that's okay. I understand. But I read this passage and I read the rest of Scripture and I cannot say James 2 is teaching something that the rest of Scripture completely denies. The rest of Scripture from the Old Testament all the way until the New Testament up until James chapter 2 talks about how salvation comes by faith through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament folks didn't know who Jesus was, but they trusted in what God's revelation about the coming Messiah would be. And so because of that, they were justified. The New Testament folks see Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, and they believed in that, and they are justified. Same thing happened with the thief on the cross. He had no time for his works. But when we get to James 2, I want to say that perhaps the interpretation of James 2 being, oh, we have to have works for salvation, I believe that interpretation goes completely against the rest of Scripture. James 2 tells us, if you have a faith, you will also have a works. It is not in order to have works, in order to have a genuine salvific faith, you have to have your works, but it is, if you have a genuine salvific faith, you will have your works. If I plant a lemon tree in my backyard and I give it the proper care and attention it needs, it will grow up into a full lemon tree. It might not start that way, but it'll finish that way. Just like how it says Abraham's faith was perfected. That word means matured. It grew up a little bit because he had trusted in God and done something. But if you just say you trust in God, you just say it, 
well, there's a problem. But if you just do, that's also a problem. There's no, there's no salvation of the sins. There's no cleansing of the sins. Salvation and works do go hand in hand together. But it's not works to precede salvation. And it's not salvation and only ever to get to works. But it's salvation and works tie together in order to create a genuine, true faith. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to get all my social media locations, including my fresh and beautiful Instagram page managed by my wife, go to linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That is L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. Thank you guys so much for watching. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next time.